one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Previously on Mentally Yours, I did find at first it was very difficult to talk about it because I didn't really feel like people in my family really understood me. But it was amazing how much that's changed just by talking about it. Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. Check out our other podcast, Good Sex, Bad Sex, which is brilliant and is all about sex. My name's Yvette. There's no Ellen with me today. She's a star and she deserves a week off. Ellen and I recorded this interview a while ago. Natasha Devon, she's a fantastic writer and activist. She's also the founder of the Mental Health Media Charter and the co-creator of Where'sYourHeadAt.org. She's also just written a brand new book. It's called A Beginner's Guide to Being Mental. And she's also brought along her lovely husband and she'll be chatting about their relationship too. I recovered from an eating disorder when I was 25 and I was thinking about my mental health education and how even though I went to a fantastic school that was very progressive in many ways, they hadn't given me the tools that I needed to kind of navigate my own mind successfully I guess because all of the mental health education we had was very much focused on the extremes and awareness raising and we weren't taught that mental health is everyone's business because we've all got a brain um, we were just taught about the dangers of mental illness in very extreme examples so I decided to um, create a kind of a PSHE program that was 
working from where young people were as opposed to where they might end up. Um, and that was very much focused around body image initially. Uh, and then as I was spending more and more time in schools and, and talking to young people, their parents and their teachers, um, I, I began to realise that, that that was just the tip of the iceberg, PSHE, and that there was all kinds of things that young people were going through, particularly around self-harm was, was the big issue when I first started going in 10 years ago um, that, that needed to be addressed in, in a different way. There was no tipping point, um, and it's kind of happened more organically than that. Um, and, and I definitely, it's, it's funny that you say that I'm popular because I think of myself as being quite kind of controversial. I think I'm quite divisive, I'm <laughs> quite a divisive figure because I, I think I, I tell it like it is, but not in a Katie Hopkins way. Good. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, such direct work in mental health so consistently over the years affected your own mental health? That's a good question. Mm. Um, it is, it's difficult to speak and write about mental health all day. So I have a counsellor um, that I see every week. And um, initially, obviously, I had therapy for my own mental health. But now I tend to talk to her more about my job and the realities of doing my job. And you'll find that any mental health professional has what's called supervision. So all counsellors have a counsellor, <laughs> essentially. Um, so it is, it's tough. It is tough. And I do find that I have to carve out pockets of time where I just completely switch off, which is difficult because when you're me, even at parties, people come up to me and they're like, so my issue started when I was 12 <laughs> so I never have an off day you know um, when it comes to sort of that divide between your professional and personal life obviously we've got Marcus in to chat as well <laughs> thanks very much for coming in you're absolutely welcome how do you support Natasha we both have learnt what the triggers are and when we're in the midst of a, uh, a you know a, a bit of a depression or a bit of anxiety or a panic attack type uh time in our lives we we know how to support each other for me it's very much uh, just leave me alone I'll, I'll sit in the corner and work it out a bit and you know uh, I don't really sort of sh shout a lot about it I kind of deal with it myself whereas Natasha generally needs a hug I think a, a lot of the time that seems to work but yeah we've, we've just we've just learned to be there for each other and communicate with each other and uh, that's that's kind of what we do when you started being in a relationship were you open about mental health issues or did Natasha kind of push you uh, to be more no, open? No, there, there, there was no, no pushing. Um, I don't think we talked about it on our first date or two, maybe? We didn't talk about anything on our first date. No. Because no. our first date, we went for coffee and our, our waitress, she was lovely, yeah. but she talked to us for about an hour, and which is all we had. Yeah. <laughs> Just stood there and, and talked to us, didn't about she? About her tattoos, which about was great. Tattoos, she yeah. saw these. Um, <laughs> but we didn't get much talking done. No. So on our second date, we yeah. managed to talk to each other. I think after, when I realised um, quite early on, yeah, this, uh, this one was amazing. I, I opened up, I felt I could talk about this sort of thing. Um, I mean, I don't think there's, there's a lot less stigma these days around this now, but still, you know, you, you can feel embarrassed about yourself a little bit and a bit sort of, oh, should I really... When Natasha told me she works in mental health, uh, I went, well, it's funny you should say that. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, we've, I mean, we all have ups and downs, don't we? But, yeah. But, uh. but I, I wrote about um, Marcus in the book, actually, um, because you're very much more, I would say, depression-led, whereas I'm more anxiety-led, although we yeah. both kind of dip into to each. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, when Marcus told me very early on in the relationship that you've had periods of depression pretty much for, for as long as you can remember since yeah. your teens, um, I thought, well... 
it's my job, <laughs> be fine. <laughs> but the, the, the closer you are to somebody, the more difficult it is, I think, to be objective. And yeah. and like you said, your, your default response is, I, I just want to be left alone. And that yeah. can be difficult for me because I'm, I'm like, oh, but I want to fix it for yeah, you. Yeah, you're a very fix-it person. I am a fix-it person. And I'm, I'll try and fix this myself, which is not always the best option, I think. You're mentioning that it's your work to do this and you write about it. How do you make sure that you're not treating each other as kind of like as work in that kind of sense or as you would treat someone who came up to you about a similar problem that's a very good point i mean it is completely different when you know someone in context i mean if you have a therapist Mm. they they give you an agreement to sign and it says things like if you turn up and you're clearly intoxicated i won't treat you or if you don't turn up you still have to pay you know that kind of thing and one of the things it, it says is if i see you out I'll acknowledge you, but we can't have a chat because we're not friends. That mm-hmm. would be crossing a professional boundary. And, and you can't practice therapy on somebody that you know in context or, yeah. or that you see every day. So it, it does feel completely different. Yeah. I think that the biggest challenge if you are in a relationship with somebody who has mental health problems is not to take it personally. And, and that's the key, I think, is to know when, when it's your illness talking yeah totally and when it's you and same for me as well it takes a while to get to that stage where you know each other well enough to yeah you know because it can be quite off-putting if you're in a a horrible sulk yeah not you i mean me or or anyone (laughs) you know especially imagine if you were having kind of an anxious period and you're pushing them away that must be really difficult well i've never never thought of tash as my sort of personal therapist at home Good. That's yeah, a good I, mean, I haven't I charged you by the hour yet. Have you, we've got rid of that couch. With the... <laughs> yeah. What advice can you give to people um, in a relationship who've just found out that their partner um, has a mental health issue? The main thing to bear in mind is that everybody's experiences are different and they happen within the context of a unique set of circumstances. So it doesn't matter how much you know, you still mm. don't know what it's like for them. Um, and, and one of the things that I uh, that led me to writing my book actually was um, I, I am a, a scholar of English. I did English for my degree. And when you are studying English, you're constantly told by your teachers, oh, you're so lucky because the English language has so many words to play with. We've got more than any other dialect, uh, and, you know, and there's no excuse for using words like nice i remember my primary school teacher telling me that never use the word nice uh, which is true but then when you look at how those words are apportioned we have amongst the least amount of words for feelings and emotions and, and mental health we, we've got this very limited emotional vocabulary and and the net result of that is that if somebody comes to you and they say i'm feeling really depressed you don't know what they mean you know what you would mean if you said that so I guess that the first step is if you're in a relationship and your partner says to you, I'm struggling with this feeling, is to not assume anything and to say, what does that feel like? Um, do you have any idea what's causing it? They might not know. But just getting an understanding of how they're using that word. It can be difficult to articulate, you know. I, f- yeah. I find it difficult to articulate. How do you describe the feelings of uh, anxiety, you know, a panic attack or anxiety or depression to someone else who doesn't mm. have any experience of that or, you know? And it, it, it is what it is. Uh, there's, there's something that Stephen Fry says where he says, if you know somebody who is suffering from depression, don't ever ask them why. Because there's there's kind of inherent blame, I think, within uh, within that question, and it it just is. It's like you know, if someone had diabetes, you wouldn't say why. <laughs> why have you got that? You'd say, what can I do to help you? So, yeah. you know, treat it the same as you would a physical illness, I guess. It's just honesty and communication and 
trust, I think. Yeah. All that stuff. Which comes. <laughs> eventually. <laughs> so you've got this new book out, um, A Beginner's Guide to Being Mental and A to Z. Can you tell us um, what led you to write this? So I noticed that there was a lot of miscommunication and misunderstanding in conversations around mental health. There's fantastic organisations like Time to Change who have been you know, cracking the crust of that stigma for years. Um, and then, of course, the royals getting really involved in, in mental health in 2017 and the, the marathon um, has really led to so much more awareness. But the, the conversation is happening at cross purposes because there's still not any, um, uh, there, there's no, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like uniformity in people's understanding, if you see what I mean. So my initial idea was I wanted to get everybody on the same page, literally. <laughs> and, and it was almost going to be a, a sort of, this is what anxiety is. This is what an anxiety disorder is. Here are the types of anxiety disorder. That was the initial idea. And then as I was writing it, it really changed shape. So even though all of that is still in there, um, I started to pepper it with um, my own experiences and memories. And also one of the advantages of being me is I have access to some global experts in this field and I thought it'd be really a shame not to tap into them so there's there's lots of science lots of expertise in there as well so it's it's become much more fleshed out than I initially anticipated yeah I love the personal stories you've got in there so you've got the one about having a panic attack but when you were very young yeah so you didn't actually know what it was actually happening Mm. um and so you ended up with um, an inhaler, is that right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, well, it, it, people didn't understand mental health in the same way as they do now. And I think it's testament to how far we've come that, you know, my knowledge of a mental health issue at the end, age of 10 was re- restricted to sort of one flew over the cuckoo's nest. That's, that was mm. literally it. And now, with hindsight, I know that what happened was I was having a difficult time emotionally and I was having panic attacks because being the eldest sibling in my family I didn't feel entitled to make a fuss so I just started to squash all up my emotions down but you can't destroy emotions because they're energy you know they have to go somewhere so they manifested in the form of panic attacks and I can say that to both of you now and you understand me perfectly I assume but I really do feel that if I had said that to my teachers or or anyone around me then they would have said what are you talking about yeah. or you're mad and that was that was certainly it wasn't even my fear because I didn't think of it in those terms back then but I, I do think that because of where where people's understanding was that might have happened and people just didn't um, take into account that you could have a physical symptom as a result of a psychological cause. Mm-hmm. So at, at, around that time, I started to struggle to breathe. Um, I'd always been really into sport. I was um, I was goal attack in in netball, um, and I stopped doing sport because I was um, struggling to to breathe. And uh, my teacher suggested that I was taken to the doctors. My doctor went, "You've clearly got asthma," and that's how I ended up with an inhaler that didn't work. What do you think is the biggest? crisis or challenge in terms of mental health today? On a, a surface level, or, or the, in the most urgent problem is services, lack of services. Um, mental health is always pushed to the bottom of the pile because it's invisible and because people don't 
see it, including the people who hold the purse strings. There's all this talk about parity of esteem, but still people don't see it as being as um, important. And you know, I remember I was talking to a friend who is very liberal, quite young, um, very intelligent, and I was saying that um, last year they found some precancerous cells on the lining of my womb. A lot of that happens to a lot of women, and there was a period of two weeks between that being coming up on my smear test and me being in hospital having those cells removed. And at that point, I thought to myself, "Wow, the NHS! What a miracle it is, and how lucky I am to live in this country in this time." Mm. But then I thought, if you contrast that with when I went to my doctor, that my last episode of panic attacks, and I was put on a waiting list. It was six months before I even got a telephone call to have my initial assessment and when I was telling my friend that she said well yeah but I suppose if they'd left the cancer cells you could have died and it's like but if you leave a mental health problem you can die but I still don't think that that's quite infiltrated people's consciousness in in the way that it needs to Um, so I think that is the the biggest concern is lack of access to to therapy and because there's lack of access to therapy antidepressants which absolutely have their place but they are Mm. being prescribed I think much too readily for people and we we differ quite a lot don't we on our views of medication I take medication and I don't think there should be any stigma attached to taking medication at all it's not a stigma but you've got no I just I just think they I think if they help you get through the day, brilliant. I, I think they can just paper over cracks. Mm. In all the the episodes of depression I've had, like luckily I haven't had one since just before I met you, which is which is excellent. <laughs> but um, they, I've never had a doctor say, "So what's going on in your life? Why is well, you know? Tell me about yourself. What's because they've only got ten minutes to get to the bottom mm. of your." <laughs> of your issue and you ultimately they go well look t- try these and if they don't work come back and they they, they dish them out I, I you know I, i've been through most brands of those things i just think i think it's better to think about what's going on in your life and what could be causes which is probably more painful to get to the bottom of you might have to make some some, some you know do some digging in your own mind which can be a bit scary that's why it's frustrating as well, though, on the NHS, though, isn't it? Because when you're talking about sort of talking through those issues, things that might be happening in your life, yeah. people need the access to counselling. They certainly and do. And it's yeah. just such a long waiting list, mm-hmm. like you say. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, uh, they could be a quick fix, the, the, the meds. And if they get you through a, bad, a really bad period where you're going to do yourself some harm, then all power, you know? Mm. But as a long-term thing... Um, and the side effects are no fun, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I don't feel that I was given enough supervision either um, because they are powerful Ooh, yeah. medication. And they don't and tell you about the there f- are side what effects. happens when you first take them. Yeah. Um, go slightly yeah, I did, I did feel I very cray cray. Yeah. <laughs> well done, darling. I heard that. I heard <laughs> that on the train the <laughs> But they, they do. They just give you uh, your prescription and, yeah. uh, you know, you're sent off. Well, it probably does say in the, in the instructions. Oh, but then you don't want to read no, the instructions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've taken Well, they've one. got to cover themselves that should your it's head awful, fall off, you, you know, you can't I mean, be sued. Bipolar disorder, the ones right. with my mood stabilizers, they're like as a list as long as your yeah, not course. your arm, your whole body. Yeah, and yeah. it's and it, it includes things charming things like, you know, could cause suicide and all things like that. Mm. So yeah. you know, if you're already feeling bad, you don't want to go through all that. But at the same same time, like you say, you do want to have enough time with a doctor to actually feel like you know what you're getting into and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Entirely. Also, I don't know if you guys saw that New York Times thing this weekend where they're talking about coming off 
um, antidepressants and yeah. how difficult that can be for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. That's really scary. Like, that's never been mentioned to me and I'm on antidepressants. Yeah. Well. Or medication in general. Yeah, yeah, it does have to yeah. be very tapered and done, you know, properly with the advice of your doctor so you do know what you're doing and doing it gradually. Yeah. That's so important. Entirely. If you just stop dead, then, yeah, you, whew, I wouldn't advise that. Yeah. I actually, this is quite pertinent to us mm. because I was so busy that I, I ran out of medication. I do that all the time. Um, and I, I actually, I worked myself up into a massive state because I started to panic about mm. panic. Basically, I went to my pharmacist and they said, we won't be able to get these in until after Easter. It was just before the Easter holidays. And I thought, I can't, it was you know, five days time. I, I can't not have them for, for that long. But you'd already started taking half to I'd, get. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd begun tapering down, but I, I just, yeah, I, I, I had the worst panic attack I've had for a long time because I started to panic about the prospect of panic. But what I discovered was that there are lots of my friends who are on exactly the same medication. It does have to be exactly the same, exactly the same dose. So we now have um, a chain of us <laughs> where if we ever run out, and only to be used in an emergency, but where we can phone and say, I've run out and I, I have no way of getting any. Can you send me some? And and then I have somebody who can ring me. So we've set up like a, a, a crisis chain, I would say. Yeah. That's Although a reputable that. pharmacist is probably... Like I said, it has to be the same medication, the yeah. same dosage. Yeah, Don't careful. be like... Careful with that. Swapping prescription no. medication. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, no. No, it is no... It's, seriously, it is no, it is no fun. Mm. But... Um, no, because I have that as well. I will run out and then there won't be a doctor's appointment for like two weeks. There you so go. I'll what are you supposed to do? Yeah. It's, it's not fun. And you do start to worry about, mm. like, am I suddenly going to become a wreck? I'm yeah. sure it stays in your system for a couple of days. You can go yeah. a couple of days. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a doctor. I hope so. <laughs> but I have no idea. And that's the point. Yeah. Like, hmm. we don't know. Yeah, exactly. good if doctors were able to chat to us more about that. Thanks very much to our guest, Natasha Devon. So this is the bit where usually Ellen and I would have a chat about things we thought about um, after chatting to our guest, what we thought of what they said. Um, but obviously Ellen's not here, so it's just going to be my thoughts. One of the things that I thought was interesting that Natasha was talking about was how we should be talking about mental health in general and mental health in schools in particular, um, educating young people and the sort of discussions that we should have I think this is quite an interesting conversation. I don't know what your thoughts are on it. I don't know. I personally think it's it's difficult to ask teachers to be doing another thing, I think. I think there should definitely be more support in terms of educating people in terms of mental health. I mean, we have things in schools. We have physical health education. We have sex education. I mean, very basic sex education, although thankfully that's being changed soon. Um, so the argument is we should have more education about mental health. But I think it's going to be a really difficult one in terms of working out what sort of education that's going to be and how teachers are going to implement it, or indeed if it should be teachers that are sort of implementing this in the first place. So I suppose what I'm wondering is, is it teachers' responsibility? Because when we're talking about sex education, for example, you have lots of people saying, should it even be teachers that are talking about this or should it be parents that are talking about this? Um, I think from my point of view, I absolutely think that we should have more discussions around mental health everywhere in the workplace, in schools, from a much younger age. Um, I think for me a very key place to have it 
is with your family and your friends. Um, just sort of from a po personal point of view, it's been my family that supported me most with my own mental health issues. So I'm very grateful to, to them. Um, I think if I was in a family that wasn't so supportive or had less education about mental health issues, then that would be more of a challenge. So anyway, it's an interesting topic. Um, Natasha's got a campaign at the moment. It's the Where's Your Head At campaign. Um, check out her website um, and also check out her book. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about in this podcast, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116-123 or go to their website, which is samaritans.org. Thanks very much to our producer, Sam Bonham, and thank you to Lucy Baker for the jingles. You can join us online to have a chat. We have a safe space to talk about mental health issues. Just search Mentally Yours on Facebook. Also, you can have a chat to us on Twitter. We're on there at Mentally Yours with a YRS at the end. See you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.